On this episode of Penny's Going In Raw, we interview Notorious Alerts, a.k.a. Gary Trades, and how he started and the mistakes he made along the way. And we also got to touch on the sweet, sweet PFE calls. Let's go. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4 fucking percent. Buy the fucking dip. Hey, who told me about Idex? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out. Likes this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. Welcome back to the Vinny Stock Podcast presented by the Blazing Chronicle. Today is Sunday, December the 13th. And dude, whoever turned the market on easy mode the last two weeks, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, the past two weeks have just been absolutely incredible. Insane gains. It's made up for all of the crappy what was it august september august september and like the first half of october yeah, yeah. i mean th- the last week alone just made up for all of that so it's been really awesome to see the volume uh in the liquidity inside the market you know i love that we just go to all-time highs and then we go down three percent and then like it seems like the next day we're at like another all-time high and the cycle just continues it's it is it's like taking candy from a baby yeah, it's it's been a lot lot better these past couple of weeks, that's for sure. Um, but before we kind of get into the Gary interview, uh, make it make it kind of short and sweet to the point. PFE, uh, they had big news on what was it? Right after we recorded with Gary, like thirty minutes later, Pfizer became the vaccine. You know, then today the first like shipments of it on FedEx or whatever. What's uh, what's popping there? Yeah, so uh, I think we talked about it. Is that especially when you're swinging options? I like to trade around um, the bulk of the, the the shares of the options I have. So I actually cut um, like ninety percent of my options at around that uh, forty three fifty mark or like forty three thirty, I think it was, and then I bought them back right at like forty one sixty. Um, you know, I bought back like house money, and so. You know, I locked about seven hundred percent on those original options, and then um, now now I'm playing with house money, and and I really hope that um, you know I I think that you know it got me really excited after our Gary interview, and it came across the screen that it was um, you know that it was um, you know approved, and then Friday was horrible, man. I mean, after hours, it went it shot from forty one fifty up to forty three, and then for <laughs> from five a.m. to like nine thirty. It just sold off. And I was like, Jesus. So now I'm about even back on the trade. Um, but I really think that we're going to get a pop in the market on Monday and a pop on PFE. That being said, I think the best price that we'll get for our PFE options will be earlier in the morning because then I believe that there will be massive profit taking. So I think it's going to be a nice bump 
And then, um, you know, maybe maybe what PFE doesn't, it's going to be kind of like a slow fader all day. So that's how I'm going to play that. Um, you know, I mean, huge win. It was a seven-figure win. My first net seven-figure win. So when you say you're now even on the trade, are you saying you lost the million? I'm confused. Yeah, so what I'm saying by that is that it's because I had locked, um, you know, I think it was about 85% of the position. Um, <clears throat> when I rebought back those shares, obviously my average went higher. Um, and so when the stock dipped down to like the 4150 or whatever, that's when I rebought the options. And so now my position that I currently have is about even. So. Oh, okay, okay. When, when I thought you meant like you were even on the whole trade. No, I'm like, Jesus no, no, no. Christ, you really screwed the yeah. <laughs> you fumbled the bag. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, so I mean, even if even if uh, you know this thing, you know, say PFE just went to like four dollars, I would still I would still be up like I think like seven hundred thousand on the trade or something. So the, either way, it'll still be. Um, you know, a net seven figure trade. I'm just going to try and squeeze out what I can. Um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully we get a nice, nice pop on Monday morning. I'm going to take profits and move on. Is this, is this some of the bigger news that it could have gotten? Yeah, this is huge news. I mean, I mean, um, you know, I really think that the FDA kind of screwed the pooch on Friday because at, you know, everyone was expecting that after the panel recommended, um, the approval that, the, that the FDA would just turn around and be like, yep, signed, sealed, delivered, you know, within 12 hours. We're in a pandemic. Like, wh- wh- what are you doing? Like, wh- like wh- what are you possibly doing? Um, you know, like, what's more important? So uh, the chief of the FDA came on, like, I think it was CNBC or uh, what is it, like the Today Show? And he was saying, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get the approval out within days. This is monumental. And the stock was like, Everybody that you know bid up, bid up the stock in after hours was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You mean you mean it's it's not approved? <laughs> um, and then then the stock just grinded down. So I really think that if the FDA didn't come out at seven a.m. and instead of approving it, uh, you know, approving it, they um, came out and said it will be approved within the next few days. I think we'd be at like forty four right now. So you know, it is what it is. In conclusion, would you say uh, Pfizer about to go stupid? Yeah, I would like to see a pop to like forty four, forty five. But let's see, let's see what let's see what tomorrow brings. I mean, either way, this has been a monster trade. Um, I'm really happy with it, and I'm, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say it out loud on the podcast. I think Tesla is getting into the short range. Ooh, dangerous, dangerous. But that might be for next week's podcast. Yeah, uh, I I think next week we need to uh, touch on taxes. Yeah. Because uh, there's some things you might need to do before the year to get some write-offs that we might be able to tell you about. Definitely. I'm really excited to talk about taxes. Um, Actually, I hate taxes, but I'm really excited to talk about the loopholes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to talk about taxes every 22-year-old. Like, <laughs> um, So aside from that, we do have this Gary uh, little booyakasha coming up. Um, it, was, it was a fun time interviewing him. We did that on Friday. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, do you have anything to say before, uh, before we lead him in with that? No, I think that this is going to be a really exciting week. Um, usually the first two weeks of December are super hot and then, um, and, and then, you know, let's see what the, what, I think the last two weeks of December could be a little choppy, but let's see what it brings. I think we're going to have a really hot week and I'm excited for it. And without further ado, 
the Gary Trades interview. All right, guys, and welcome back. We are now interviewing Gary Trades, aka Mystic Mac, aka six foot five of unadulterated muscle and cats. How are you and how have you been, man? Good. It's good to see you boys again. Um, I like what you're doing with the channel here and I like how you're bringing different traders on to get different stories because trading really is an art and every trader is going to view it differently. So I think the viewers are getting a lot that they're learning here. And I can appreciate what you've done over the past few months so much more because I think if anyone's going to know this, it's you. Traders aren't content creators. And I feel like turning them into that is so difficult. You're like, hey, you want to do this interview? Do you want this video? And then it's like, yeah, it's cool for a while. Then I'm like, okay, this is just bullshit. I don't need to do. I'm making money elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did the YouTube thing for months and, you know, I put out videos weekly and I would do live streams, which I still do enjoy live streams from time to time. But traders are not content creators. And <laughs> so much goes into this. Like um, I had an editor because, I mean, I don't edit any of this stuff. I've never been good at editing. So I hired an editor. Um, I was dealing with that. Like it was just my entire weekends were getting hijacked because I had to have the weekly video out and center my entire weekend. And I wasn't making money from videos. All my money was coming from trading. And it was just taking personal time away from me, which is one of the perks of being a full-time trader. So I, you know, I'm more on the line now. I'll put out info on Twitter, like tweet out some stuff for you guys. But um, the videos, it takes a lot of time. So I commend you boys. And yeah, dude, that I, I really appreciate it. And and that's one of the things I'm like, all my life, I've always wanted to be like social media content creator guy, yeah. not to dive too much on me. And every day I'm like, God, I hope he was still enjoying doing this because this podcast doesn't work <laughs> at all without him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's actually really funny that you mentioned that because I got a super nice DM that said, it's so weird because the two of you are so different. But the podcast works so well. And I was like, I sat there for a minute. I was like, all right, all right. And and um, and then he like DM'd me again. And he said, if either one of you were to do it like by yourselves or like anything else, he's like, it would fail. And I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> a, good, a good dynamic, man. And now we yeah. got the fucking, the trio here. We, you know, we got, we got my master's master uh the the prodigy's teacher and i think from from you you've taught i mean he he can't say enough nice things about you and uh so he's always attributing his success to you but i kind of think that dives into where it all started for you how did you start trading what were some of those mistakes you made along the way and then kind of lead up how how you ended up finding finding this lost soul yeah so you know, the thing with trading, um, myself included, and I feel like it's only natural that if you're a person with at least a basic IQ and, you know, you're not a complete idiot, then you see day trading as something like, okay, well, X amount of time within the next like two months, I'm going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm going to be rolling in cash. Let's go. So for me, I mean, it wasn't much different than that. You know, I knew absolutely nothing about day trading. 
Um, but I was like, well, I'm not an idiot. So it's something that I can learn. So I got a legit, got a notebook down and I had no concepts of how to trade, what a loss was. It didn't even cross my mind. I would ever take a loss. So what's, had, uh, what's the very first date in the scrapbook? It was a little over three years ago now, I would say. Somewhere around 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. I think that was 2017, 2018. What, what, what kind of got you into it? Did you see Bitcoin running, weed stocks, and you're like, damn, I should get into this? Or was it just a hunch you, you, know, you just got in? So what got me into it was um, actually Mullen's Momentum. Um, I've been friends with him for a long time and I saw that he was trading and I, again, you absolutely nothing about the art of trading. I thought investing was the only way to go. You buy something and you hold it for years and years and you hope that you find the next Microsoft or Google. Um, so he was the first one that really got me into it. And, you know, I didn't know anything about volume, level two, how to read a chart. I just knew I was ready to make money. And for the first months and months and months, I would lose money every single week. And it became a goal, like not to make money each day, but to only lose this amount of money. That was, uh, that was me at first. And I had my... Stay afloat. (laughs) Yeah. I had my notebook when I first started, I had it planned out. I was going to make like $200,000 in the first three months. If I continued with my percent gains each day. And so that I firmly believed it too, but um, the markets are unforgiving to the unexperienced trader and you learn through experience. And um, one of my tattoos that I have, it's actually um, part of my trading story. I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but it says fast success builds ego, slow success builds character. So for me, that's definitely, that's definitely the case, you know. Um, speaking, speaking on that, I feel like when you, like uh, regarding all of what you said, I think that's kind of an issue with the amount of new traders that started yeah. in March through June. They didn't get that character built. No. They didn't get those lessons learned because everything ran. Yes, everything ran hundreds of percents. I saw someone comment on one of my posts, it was a day or two ago, talking about the people that came in during March and um, earlier that time in the year, how it's hard for them to accept small gains right now when they first started, when they would buy something and wake up the next day and they're up thousands and thousands of dollars. And and that's the thing. I feel like there's so many benefits to it. And it's mm-hmm. it, like, like what PJ said, he, he said, and this is the same uh, issue I had because I like to scout for small percent gains. Like I don't have a job. I don't have a safety net. My thing is I'm a, I'm gonna make this work yeah. every day. And if I can make a thousand dollars a day, that is, a shit ton more than I was making at my job. Sure. So what I I noticed I was taking gains too quick, but then when a market like last month happened, I was like, Oh, well, thank God I'm doing this because they didn't keep running, but it, you just have to be able to adapt. You do. You have to adapt or die always. And the cool thing about trading is there's so many different styles like Hugh He's primarily a swing trader, so he's going to swing things and make hundreds of thousands of dollars on his trades. 
someone like me that's, you know, primarily a momentum day trader, then very rarely do I swing something for more than a few days because for my trading style, I'm buying things that day. I'm riding the momentum. I'm cashing out. I'm making not, you know, $100,000 on a trade, on a swing trade. But if I can make, you know, five, $10,000 daily, then for me, that's what suits me right now as a, a day trader, just closing at the end of each day and waking up and doing it all over again. So, you know, there's so many ways that you can go about it. If you like riding the big swings, you know, ride it for the big gains, then that's your swing trading. Um, but, you know, on my side, like the primarily day trading, then it's much more active with scalping and it's just, you got to find your niche. Yeah. And, and I think I've actually, I didn't mean for it to be like this 1% a day, as I've been saying, but I've started to do this thing where I've realized when I have 30 stocks and I weigh them out with the risk that I've managed myself and I scalp them and take them the way I want them to, it seems to work out in the 1% a day. And if that happens, you know, five, five decent days is a great week. So, you know, and, and I think that's one of the main things is when some people see Zach have a million day week, you have a half a million day week. I saw that as that's awesome. Not FOMO. And I think that's, you know, you have to have a different mentality instead of chasing you can't chase stocks. You can't chase other people's gains. You got to do, you have, it, I mean, trade your plan. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's, that's something I like that you said that, you know, that it inspires you when you see their gains and whatnot, because I feel like that's so important, especially if you're a newer trader right now, you need to be. Oh, dude, yours, yours make me, I, I know you trade way more similarly to the way I do. And, I know PJ does as well, and I see $18,000 days, and I woo, gets me all excited. I saw your one yet this week, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's my boy. Dude, yeah. even, what was it, yesterday? Was it? Yesterday, you, you, you were like, oh, like, I didn't see any great setups. It made like six grand. Yeah. Was that yesterday? Yeah. Dude, that's incredible. And, and the fact that you were all cash and you could just make five, six grand, just, yeah, and see, that's that- incredible, dude. I appreciate it. That's what I, that's the style that I really like is, you know, scalp the setups that are there, cash in five, six, seven grand or whatever it might be. You're done for the day. You do that five days a week and you're not stressing over the weekend. You're not stressing each night. Like what's going to happen because you take control of your trade that day. So for me, that's what I enjoy doing, but you know, doing it like that very rarely would I hit, you know, a, Fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar trade, doing it like that. I take mine in small chunks, so it's just finding finding what you're comfortable with. All right, cool. So, so I think going back to the the way you started. So we do the 2017 thing. Uh, it, how how long did it take you to find that strategy of yours? What big losses did you incur? If you have any specific stories that you kind of want to touch on? Yeah. So. There's a there's so many, but just some that come to the top of my head. Um, I was losing, you know, almost everything that I had, and it got down to a certain point that um, I only had like 500 bucks left in my trading account. Um, I really didn't have anything to my name, and it was like, hey, do I put this money into my trading account to help boost that, 
or do I? Do you do you have a uh, do you have a job at this point? Like, what what's the deal there with at your? At this point, I did. I was bartending at night. So, um, you know, my plan before I found trading was to go to law school, and that was my entire life plan. I finished my undergrad degree, got accepted to the law school I wanted to go to, and that was my plan. And then, you know, like I said, uh, I found Mullins Momentum Trading. And that kind of changed my outlook and I knew this is what I wanted to do. So then I got a job at not bartending that way um, all day, every day I could be watching the chart, see how much money I could lose and then go try to make some tip money and throw it back in my account, do it all over again. Um, but that was paying the cost of tuition. I know Hugh and I have both talked about that tuition cost. And that is a real thing because whether you're going to school, whether you're going to like a trade school or whatever you're trying to learn, it's not free. And there is a tuition to be paid. No such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, there's no free lunches. This no. trading. Um, you have to take those losses and you have to learn what you're doing. And it's better to do that with a small account. So um, I remember one time um, – People on stock twits and Twitter were hopping up this trade. It was my size, M-Y-S-Z. And I know that one, yeah. If, if you know my size, you know it's not a great company. And <laughs> I, got, I got fucking fooled by it in like January. I know. Oh, yeah. I don't remember when this was, but I got fooled by them. Um, they were like hinting toward a partnership with a major clothing company <laughs> and people on stock twits were convinced that it was Nike and me at the time, <laughs> the inexperienced trader that I was, of course I thought it was Nike. So it's like fashion Nova. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if any of the viewers will remember this broker, but there was a broker back in the day called Ustock. <laughs> and that's what I was on for people that was under PDT then if you wanted unlimited day trades you're trading on U stock for dollar commissions the kicker is you don't have any pre-market or after hours so there was this day that you know people were hitting about the Nike partnership so which it never came by the way but I, I buy in my entire like small right under a thousand dollar account I buy my size and the bell rings, I'm going to work. I download their freaking app. I download the My Size Clothing app. I think it's the greatest app I've ever had. It's like, oh my God, I can get all my clothes sized on this app. Go to the bar I was bartending at. I was telling everybody to download this app <laughs> because I was convinced the more downloads You're I could, doing your part. <laughs> yeah, the more downloads I could get, the better the stock is going to run. And I was like even telling my bar manager, like this is almost embarrassing to say, I told her, hey, I might not be coming back to work tomorrow because I'm in this play. And if my calculations are correct, I'm going to make about a hundred grand on this. <laughs> oh, yeah. You um, thought they were merging with Nike. <laughs> yes. No, dude. Dude, you have no clue how many people probably thought the same about UAVS and Amazon. But <laughs> Ooh. Um, I even tell my girlfriend how much money I'm going to make the next morning and I wake <laughs> up, I check you stop. My, my prize still says it's right around the same. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Why am I not rolling in money? And then, you know, I get on more chat rooms and forums and people are talking about how 
the CEO is such a fraud and this is a terrible company. Fook my size, um, everything else. I'm like, oh my God, I couldn't do anything till 930 because we <laughs> have pre-market. So I just sit there and watch all my hopes and dreams go away. And that's when I learned I need to get more strict and realistic about trading. You know, these companies we trade, they're not going to merge with Nike. They're not going to merge with big names like this. You just trade the momentum that's around them at the time. You take your small profits. You do that as many times, you know, as it takes. And then that adds up to the big $100,000 trade. The day, the day I realized the second I know what these companies do is when I know too much yep. and I've been in it way too long. It was a great day. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. What do you call it? It's so funny that you bring it up because I think we all have like that one moment. I'll tell you exactly which moment it was for me. <clears throat> do you guys remember YRIV or Gary? Do you remember YRIV? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So this Turn was my when I was, heater off real quick. When I was transitioning from day trading to swing trading, I thought I was playing every catalyst in the book and YRIV for everyone that doesn't know, they are a shipping company and they were building this huge billion dollar port in the Yangtze river. (laughs) And it it was, I'm like on Google maps. I'm going, I'm in, I'm in senior year of high school and they got a lawsuit. Okay. I'm in senior year of high school and I'm going through like, dark webs of like China because China doesn't allow Google maps. So I'm going through like their, it, it, like their dark web um, Google maps. I'm translating Yangtze from English to Chinese. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's a port right there. This is easy. This is easy. Um, they had a court date coming up for final decision, like all this, like all this, they didn't even make it through the first round. The, the the judge basically was just like, no, like this is complete bullshit. Stock went from like 60 cents. It was also trading at like $30 a share once at one point. This was before I understood reverse splits and the way that the pricing yeah. works. And um, I was like, oh, pfft. the second that this lawsuit's over, it's going right back to 30. I'll make like $1.2 million. Tanks, tanks. I was like, oh man, it's at 72 cents. What's my downside risk? The judge inside the excerpt said, you basically drew someone you, you drew a port said there was a billion dollars on someone else's land dismissed and i was like oh no and the thing just tanked it went from like 70 cents to like 30 in like a minute yeah i i remember like all december and january searching shit on my t m y t like in their new fucking location that was supposed to be cat yeah. little cat this little cat she just likes attention uh MYT and I'm I'm searching all this shit like I'm separating it by like past 24 hours on Google. I'm like, if there's a fucking MIT in New York, your boy's gonna find it. Yeah. Uh that shit's still not out. We're talking it's December. Yeah. So um yeah, I mean it's just one of those things. Sometimes you just get uh don't fall in love with the stock. And I think that's something beginners, you know, you read stock twits and every stock is merging with Amazon or Nike. So yeah. that's just well, I got another one for you. Brad Mullen's favorite, AMRH. I think we're all still waiting for the for the Google partnership. Yeah, the Google um, partnership is never going to come on these stocks. Yeah, I mean, and even if UAVS is paired with Amazon, why would Amazon ever be like, yep, Ag Eagle? <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, okay, so so you had your downsides. At what point did you find, and how long did it take? How long did you losing like in all your uh, my size failures? At what point did you find your strategy, which you know you found wasn't swinging, and and was what you're kind of doing today, or does it kind of change with the market? It kind it kind of changes with the market, but for me, something that was losing me a lot of money in the beginning that I kind of stopped doing for a while was I just stopped playing the opening bell. Um, Cause there is so much volatility right at open. If you're an inexperienced trader, you can lose so much money in a matter of seconds at the opening bell. So that was my first thing is I was just like, I'm cutting out opening bell trades. And what this was, it was a mental process of identifying where I'm losing my most money. And to do that, you need to look at your trades at the end of each day and see which trades made you money, which trades lost you money, and then try to adjust the ones that lost you money. I started exclusively buying dips for the longest time because buying breakouts just didn't work for me at the time. So I would wait for something to dip because in my mind, if I was wrong on the trade, then it had much less downside for me to lose money than if I was buying near tops at a breakout or just any random point on the chart at all. I feel like a lot of newer traders, they have no idea where they're buying something. They're just hitting buy. Yeah, so, I, I like even just as soon as recent as like four months ago, like I, I would hate buying any stock to start a position on a green day. Yeah. Like if that stock wasn't red for the day, I'd be like why would I add this? Yeah, I mean, now, I mean, I'll buy stuff on breakouts, I'll buy the dips, but for the newer trader, I think buying dips is something safe that you can do. That was one of the things that switched for me. Uh, and also, I think something that's very important is when you finally reach the point that you've, you've gone all in on trading and you've lost as much as you can possibly afford to lose, at least for me and some of the other successful traders I've talked to, there's like a mental switch that kicks like, Hey, if you really want this, you're down to your last money and you have to make it work from here. That's when you start taking smart trades. When you have only X amount of dollars left and you can't afford to lose, you stop buying random BS at just random points in the chart. You stop getting FOMO. If something's gone without you and you're terrified of missing out on some money, you stop taking those buys. You wait for it to pull back or you just don't take the trade at all. What's so you're I, more terrified of, of losing money than you yeah. are of missing gains is, is a big thing. Yeah. When, Cause the number one rule in trading is to protect your capital because yep. if you miss out on some gains today, if you protect your capital, you're still in the game tomorrow to get the gains. So for me getting into that last little bit of money, and, you know, identifying what was losing me money in the first place was a big game changer for me. So that, so that kind of turns you around. How long did that take you, roughly, you think? I lost money consistently for a little over a year. Like, yeah. I did not make any money at all in my first year. I lost money. So, and that's why it's funny sometimes, you know, you see newer investors that come up and try to talk to you or even on Twitter or whatever, and they say in the next like three months, they want to make this amount of money and they're going to learn it in three months. I'm like, slow down. Like you do realize a year 
is such a small amount of time in the grand scheme of things. Like if you want to do this for the rest of your life, then dedicating a solid year of studying, paying your market tuition to learn it, that is nothing. Not when the money that you can make here is more than doctors, lawyers, or any of the other professionals that go to school. Fucking for years. Zach's making like LeBron James money. He's making a day. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's the thing. And, and I think that's another thing that tra- a lot of newer traders need to realize is that you have been blessed this year. And I, I've realized it too. I, even though I, I only started in, in like the October of last year point, yeah. you know, I, I, it was quick. To, I was quick to realize that this shit wasn't fast. And then what I saw in March through uh, like August was insane. And so that's why I'm in more of a, I'll, I'll take 1% any day as long as I'm not losing. For and sure. I think a lot of newer traders need to realize that you were blessed with a year that you, that so many people were able to start, but also make sure you're protecting that as you go into the future, because it's not always going to be this easy per se. Exactly. Um, so, so you, you had your strategy, you took your one year and now, now you're doing all the shit. I assume you just kind of perfected your strategy and that's kind of the story of Gary trades. I think another thing that people need to realize is it took you a year of you, of losing money. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them think there's no way I would do anything a year and suck at it, but that's a very real thing in, in this. And I think it just speaks to the volume of what this year was. Yeah. And, you know, when I was learning all of this, like, you know, I said I had Brad that was a great teacher to help teach me things. I was in Atlas um, before Atlas was Atlas. I mean, there was maybe 3000 or less members, like maybe not even. And that. if you want that story, check out the PJ Matlock interview on the channel. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, I have that, um, but you know, there was really not the accounts like there are now, um, to kind of help show me things or, uh, really be open to teaching, you know, my, their strategies or what works and what doesn't work. So it was a lot of trial and error. And I feel like that's always going to be your best friend is trial and error, because at least for me, somebody can tell me something. But until yeah. I actually practice it and do it, it's not going to stick with me. So, how much easier do you think it is to learn about this now than it was when you were starting just three years ago? Uh, it's it's definitely a different world now than it was then. Um, there's so much more information out there. Um, it's I feel like anybody that wants to learn it right now is the best time that you could possibly be learning because the wealth of information that's out there, the Twitter accounts, what have you, people that are being open about chart setups, about how to read volume, how to find swing trades. Um, That wasn't always out there. So it's a great opportunity for people right now. Yeah, I think we're finally finally cutting down the entry barrier on trading. No commissions. The information is damn near almost all free. But uh, with all that said, do you kind of want to get into some of the uh, listeners' questions for you? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so first one, I see Gary tweeting sometimes about tickers gearing up for 
after hour runs, aside from volume, what's the key signals that you're looking for when you're determining these splits? So after hours runs, uh, it's always going to be something that's been relevant on the day, meaning either it had news that day or it's got news upcoming very soon, but it's had a nice steady move all day long and it's had a pullback down to certain levels, but it hasn't completely crashed down to the depths of hell and just stopped moving altogether. If it's still got a slight uptrend or if it's starting to curl um, and it's got, you know, recent prices, it's been that day close by, then to me, that's what indicates it's gearing up for after hours. If it's been relevant that day, if you have strong end of day volume coming back in and it's pushing back above key levels. Yeah, I, I actually thought VTVT VT was going to do it uh, this afternoon. I was wrong. Shout out Zach Morris, baby. Yeah, that was a crazy one. Hit over six today. That one was quite impressive uh, for what, like an insider buying 650,000 shares. And the market was like, let's buy 60 million today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next question. Um, this one was asked by quite a few people. Uh, why do you like your stakes well done? Um, well, everybody on Twitter must be fucking vampires um, because I don't like eating all that blood. That's why I like my steaks well done. I, I like steaks, not blood. So that's the only explanation that you need is I'm not a vampire. I'm not, I was I was bullied into medium rare. Apparently medium well. I, I count Dracula. I'm Gary Trey. Yeah. Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so do you have two A-plus setups that you have for trading? Yeah, so if I had to narrow it down to two, I would say go to the yearly chart. Like That's super important. When you're taking a day trade, a swing trade, you have to look at the yearly chart. Wow. Yeah, that's you know, phenomenal. Um, so look at that yearly chart. I, I feel like a lot of people don't do that. They don't. People look at the one day, one minute, the one day, five minute, whatever minute. They look at five day. They're like, okay, this isn't up this much this soon. Like what? Uh, or like yeah. what are you looking for on that one year chart? Yeah, I know Hugh talks a lot about looking left on the chart, and what he means by that yeah. is go to your yearly chart, look left on the chart, literally, and seeing where the highs have been that year seeing what days or months that it has a nice spike in it that shows you your potential of the stock. If you have like nice spikes in the chart that tells you right there that this is a stock that has spikeability. I don't know if that's a word, but we're making it a word now. So if it has spikeability, meaning that when volume comes in, it can have nice runs. That's, you know, key number one that you want to be looking at. Um, you're, you want to trade something that has the potential to at least have a big run. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and the risk rewards off. So, what do you, yeah. what do you think about the shit uh, regarding that that might have been super high up before this huge March dip? I mean, I feel like there's tons of penny stocks that were eight to twelve dollars in January, February. I mean, that are now just trading so low. I mean, even what is it? Pack D was trading at. Five PACD was trading at five dollars in January, and all I mean, obviously, that had to do with mm. the they thought there was going to be a war going on for oil. But yeah. I mean, there there are so many stocks that that were like so high back then. Like, is this is this just like a one off year for that strategy, or do you still kind of use that? 
No, you use that always. Listen, even before Corona was ever a thing, traders yeah. were using this strategy and they're going to use it year after year. Now, I don't know if we're going to have another crazy year in our lifetimes like we had this past March, but we're still going to have really good moments. So any chart that's ever been super high and if it's bottomed back out now, all that I see is opportunity, not like, oh, well, it's game over, like time to write this one off. No, these are all crap companies generally that we're trading. You know, there's always going to be one or two that makes it out and makes it into the legitimate company phase. But more often than not, these are crap companies, but they repeat the same patterns over and over again. And that's why we're talking about experience. When you become an experienced trader, you know what it's going to do because you've seen it happen year after year. So no, I think... Yep the stocks that you're talking about that are bottomed out now, I just see mass opportunity. And yeah. you mark I, I, when January yeah, comes, um, there's going to be a lot of really cheap stocks. January and February, it's going to be an <laughs> buffet. These are going to be stocks that make another nice run back up, and we're going to be there to take advantage of it. Don't hold it in your long-term investment account. Trade the nice run that we get from it and then let it go back down, buy it back next year. So it's a cycle. So, I think that's a really so, good point. But uh, just a quick question. When you're looking left on the chart, do you ever look at the previous volume with the chart, or do you just purely look at the chart? Yeah, you want to look at the previous volume because volume is the most important thing that you can potentially look at. Um, look at the relative volume that the stock generally has on any given day. And then look at the volume that it had on whatever day that it had that huge run. And if you're seeing whatever day that you're looking at, it, it's getting volume approaching that, then there's no reason to suggest that it can't do the same move. So you always want to be looking at the volume candles as well. So, so what do you think about today where if you add it on the dip, you clearly got a good rebound and adding on the debt paid off, but other days adding on the debt doesn't pay off. What do you kind of think about that? So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that a I question for me. Yeah. One <laughs> thing that I wanted to find an opportunity to talk about in this video was knowing your exit before you take a trade. Um, so to be a great trader, you have to first know how to lose. And there is an art to losing. Um, you bow out graciously sometimes. And when you're taking a trade, you want to predefine whatever your bottom line in the sand is. Like the stock cannot drop below this line right here or I'm out. And, you know, if it dips down and it doesn't drop below that, if it comes close to your line and holds, buy more shares. You just got a great average down. But if it just continues dipping and bust right through your line, your stop loss, then just cut it and move on. Respect your plan. And if it is a good plan, then more often than not, buying the dip is going to make you way more money than it does lose you money. For your journal that you write and you dictate all of this in, do you check it at the end of the day and say, hey, what, what could have been? Or do you say, hey, I could have lost way more money or, oh, shit, maybe my stop loss is a little wrong. Or do you just say, that's in the past. I lost money on it. I traded my plan. I'm done with my size. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, 
you will not catch me in my size, but nah. <laughs> each day um, I go back and I look at all the trades I did and I try to analyze why I took this trade because, you know, even me, you, Hugh, it doesn't matter who, um, that, that kind of rhyme. Um, but, <laughs> uh, if you're an experienced trader in the heat of the moment, sometimes even your thought process and your emotions can get a little bit clouded. Things are moving so fast. You're just reacting. So when the dust has settled and the bell has rang and you can go back and look at your trades, what I always do at the end of each day is I look at XYZ trade, seeing why I took it. Did it have news that day? Was it in theme? Is there a catalyst upcoming? Uh, was it a random impulse buy? I look at things like that um, just to you know keep myself in check. Like, hey, are you screwing up again or – are you sticking to your strategy? Even if I take a losing trade, sometimes I'm so happy about a losing trade because I'm like, dang, I took that trade and there was so much money to be made. Didn't work out. I made my plan. I only lost this amount. So um, I do feel like journaling is a good thing for us to do because even the greatest of traders sometimes will go through like a little losing streak where, you know, you have a couple days, you're just in a little rut. Um, it happens to me, it happens to Hugh. Um, I'm sure it happens to everyone, but oh, not yet. Never been. <laughs> You're always buying the dip, but, um, yeah, <laughs> the very bottom sum at the very top. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, something that I was reading recently and it made a lot of sense. It was something I was already doing, but, um, Matthew McConaughey put out a book. It's called green lights. Um, Fantastic book. I would recommend anyone to read. It's not about trading, but you can use it for trading if you're reading it correctly. So he I love his about, little speeches he has. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, he talks about journaling the good days and the bad days. Um, neither are permanent. We can have a good day, but that's not going to be the case every single day. And neither are the bad days. So if you have a journal, if you write down your thoughts on trades when you absolutely killed it, and the same way when you aren't doing so well, then on those days you aren't doing well, go back and look at those days you killed it. See what your thought process was. See exactly what you were feeling and try to replicate that the next day when the market opens. So, you know, there's a lot of good benefits from journaling. Yeah. I, I definitely like uh, agree with what you said earlier about uh, the market open, like how newer traders or maybe not newer traders, but people that have been trading for like six months are like, this is the riskiest time of day. That is where the experts trade, but I'll sit that out because it goes so fast. For sure. And I think, you know, I mean that I feel like it's, it's, if you're a college football player, it's your time getting in there on special teams to make a play. I mean, that's your time to learn it yeah. up and, so, uh, so we do have like two more quickies and then one long one that we actually just got around 10 minutes ago. And I was thinking about just sandwiching them in, but before we get to those, uh, just a quick one, how, what, what is, um, uh, Conor McGregor to you? Conor, okay. This dude, he's a monster. Um, but of course my name, notorious alerts that stems from Conor McGregor. Um, so I was an amateur MMA fighter as well before I was a trader. Um, a really good one. He, he, he did things on me, no homo to like, <laughs> he, he'd be like, yo, Dan, this is this move. 
and he would show me how to do it and i'd be like dude you you were just showing me how to do it you didn't have to actually choke me out he's like no i wouldn't <laughs> check me out if i want to i could have i was like good lord it was so quick no joke there's a chip in my there's a chip in my apartment from dan's head just knocking <laughs> against it <laughs> oh, um, but i've always loved mma um like i know i've talked a lot about i used to be morbidly obese uh, i was like 350 pounds um no muscle mass and i kind of got into mma and before I was a trader, I had a nice little amateur MMA run. I won um, amateur middleweight title in MMA. And then those bar stool, uh, rough and rowdy brawl things that they're doing, um, I went one year and won the middleweight and the uh, rough and rowdy thing. So that was <laughs> cool little times. I was a moron type show. But um, anyway, Conor McGregor, he, um, his mindset is – what I like about him more than anything. He's the type of person that visualizes exactly what he wants his life to be. And then he goes and does it time and time again. And, you know, for traders, that's how we have to be as well, because Conor McGregor 10 years ago was on welfare and you can go back and watch videos of him, like telling everybody exactly what he's going to do. And it's almost eerie watching it now, um, how he's done all of that. And, if you're a new trader just starting out right now, visualize what you want your life to be like and accept have that. Goals. Yeah. Have goals. Have um, goals. Yeah. All of attraction is positive thoughts attract positive results. Set those positive thoughts in your mind and do things each day to get you closer to them. So, you know, and Hunter's a showman, so I really like that. Yeah, it, it's cool to see yeah. how, like, who your idols and that you look up to even for things like trading and i like you may look up to an mma fighter and i i look up to to rap like my two that i model things off of it's like it's embarrassing drake and mark zuckerberg and i'm like fuck <laughs> they they said drake 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 wanted to break into america the same way i'm trying to do like breaking fintwit into the mainstream I'm trying instead of just like being brought out of the mainstream and being the guy from Fintwit to mainstream. Like, what if we just turn Fintwit into the mainstream? Yeah, and like yeah. I, I think they're they're like you know when, when you look at things and how it's done. I mean, obviously there can be like different role models in other ways. I'm sure sure, uh, fucking Hughes is some trader from the the forties, um, <laughs> you know, or or uh, Graham Stephan. That's his life. That's his life. Oh. <laughs> Baby, I do love Graham. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen. The no, way no, he no, talks about credit cards and Rob IRAs, I'll tell you what. Good. Yeah, so yeah, I, seriously, I, we though. Did, seriously, we got, though. We got, we got visualizing. All right. Oh, no, seriously, ahead, though. Visualizing ahead, is, is huge. You know, I'll be honest. When I was like a freshman in high school, I thought that I'd be a billionaire by now. I was visualizing that. That's not exactly where I'm at, but that being said, um, a lot you know, visualize gets your age. <laughs> yeah, that that be oh yeah, I just paid off my last college semester, you know, snaps that. But um, you he know, says the last, visualizing so probably thing have to go a couple more times. <laughs> you still got to pass the, the class, man. Yeah. Okay, so so uh. Quick, just one little one minute for you real quick. Uh, what are some tips for a more methodical and organized approach to trading? 
And that's kind of general. That's why I didn't want it to go too crazy. Yeah. So I guess more methodical would be um, actually identifying why you're taking the trade. Not if somebody's just posting like a random ticker or whatever, and you're just jumping in because you feel like you have to. Um, at least understand why you're in the trade. Before you get in, understand where you're going to cut your loss. Have at least a target where you're going to take profit and a target where you're going to accept your loss. And make sure that you have at least a three to one, if you can, um, risk reward ratio. And, you know, that's the methods behind taking trades, having actually written out price targets and stop losses. And if you actually have those numbers written out and placed in, then you're trading methodically. Um, and it's not just, oh, I'm going to buy this and I guess I'll sell at whatever amount or I'll let it fall down to I have no idea where. That's not methodically trading. Um, if you actually just type in where you're going to cut the trade, where you're taking profit. And know, know why you're setting your stop yeah. loss there. Not just be like, I can afford to lose 50 bucks. But be like, this is something on the chart. Yeah. That pisses me off. That I have friends that do that, that don't understand why their stop loss is there. And it, 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 it makes me so mad. Yeah, it's like just throw a dart at the chart and wherever it lands, that's your stop loss. Yeah. I'm sure it'll work. Okay. Uh, the next one is what differs in being an account under 25 K and above 25 K. We say so many people that just go yeah. like PDT is my goal. Everything's easier from that. So we were talking about this, um, earlier before we actually started recording, but 25 K so many people think that's the magical number. Like once you get the 25 K, then you have all the knowledge of trading and you're ready for fame and fortune. 25K is just another number. Like once you get to 25K, it doesn't mean that your problems are gone and you're a professional trader now. If anything, then it actually makes the game harder because now you have unlimited day trades. And in spider Unlimited opportunity to fuck up. Yeah, unlimited opportunity to fuck it up. In Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Same way... When you break PDT, now you have all the power. You have as many day trades as you possibly want. So you could blow up an entire account in a day if you tried hard enough. So once you're above 25K, I feel like it's being more selective. Knowing you don't have to be in every single trade, you now pick and choose the trades you want to be in. And with that being said, um, you can take profits a little bit sooner now if you so choose where you have unlimited day trades. You don't necessarily have to hold overnight. If it's up 20% and you want to like take, you know, 25% of your position off, you can certainly do that. Lower your risk a little bit, lock in some profits, make the trade safer. That's one cool advantage that comes over 25K. But even getting into a trade that you're going to be up 25%, that's not easy to do. Like we're talking about it like, oh yeah, that's just a given. That's actually extremely hard to do. And that's why you have to be selective as to what trades you're taking. And you actually have to know your stuff by the time you get to 25K, not hope you figure it out once you get there. Yeah, that's that's what I worried about a lot of people that just went the uh, waiter IBIO UAVS route to get there from 2000 and they just got there and they're like, okay, now 
but I didn't do that. And although I was only at 18,000, then I was still doing better because I was only scalping. And then whenever I got to 25 K, I never looked back because it was just already my style. Yeah. Um, and, and so obviously that's a big thing. The next one was more of a, how you do a few quick scalps and you end the day early, but I feel like you kind of already answered that. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, the one we just got uh, around 15 minutes ago, it's more of a specific one. How are you approaching? And this is the last one. How are you approaching risk management on these high volatile tickers? We are seeing trading extremely high volume, sometimes over $1 billion traded on the day on a 5 million float. It seems as though algos are dominating these names and can result in difficult price action with a lot of false breakouts and breakdowns. Your thoughts on approaching these wild movements and how to attack? Yeah, so that's actually a really good question. And for newer traders, um, if you're not comfortable uh, right now, like it depends on what your risk tolerance is. If you're on the newer side, and if you're someone that's asking another trader where your stop loss is, um, when are you selling? These are probably not the trades for you, but I actually really enjoy these trades because with all that volume means a lot of volatility and a lot of profit. It, br it brings back the adrenaline you only got from the ring, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that adrenaline going. Um, so if you are going to take one of these trades, here's some things you got to understand. You, you can't ask someone what their stop loss is what their price target is. If you're taking this trade, expect it to be a wild, fast move. So you have to have that predefined before you enter. So enter the trade on some sort of a trend line, whether you're buying on support, because if these are the high volume trades that they're talking about, then they're going to be in some sort of trend that day. And if you can identify where the support is, like whether that's the 9 EMA, it might be VWAP, the 20 EMA, or just a trend line in itself. You can buy on that trend line, and if it breaks below it, then you just sell right there. The kicker is it could break back up in the trend and go again, and then you're going to be thinking, God, if I would have just held, then I wouldn't have lost on my stop loss. That is still poor trading, even though you would have made money. The thing is, if you're taking those trades, you want to be over PDT probably so you can have unlimited day trades. If it stops you out, respect your stop, get back in if it breaks back above trend. Um, yeah. Other than that. One, thing, one, one thing I've actually noticed, it's kind of like a, uh, a like, I don't even know the word, but stubborn people and mental stop losses, they think they're the most, stubborn people think they are the most mentally strong where they can keep a stop loss mentally. But those same stubborn people will just keep adding on the day. Okay, no, 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 10 more cents, 10 more cents. And you can't have that happen. And you may be so mentally strong that you think you don't need it and you can accept your mental stop loss, but you need to set that actual one because yes, it, I, I had that stubborn phase where I was like, you know, this is a mental stop loss. Okay, okay, I'll add 200 more shares. Wait, five more cents. Okay, okay, one more. Yeah. And I would just lose more money. And I thought it was just an inverse chart of being stubborn and your stop loss losing you more money. Yeah, do you want to be right yeah. or want to make money? Yeah, I think yeah. that's a big thing. Even for like 
and, and this is going a little bit off track, but wannabe furus, people that are just calling shit that they aren't even taking their own calls and stuff like that. Like, do you, do you, again, do you want to be right? Or do you want to make money? I know my answer. Yeah. You know, no. I feel like the Corona phase created so many wannabe furus. Like people just became obsessed with being like the next hot Twitter account or. Whoa. Hey, Hey, Dude, coming from my ass, Gary. Damn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, like, hey. the, thing is, the thing is, I, I had that feeling in June, July. I was like, everything I call goes up, bro. I'm a genius. And then I realized I was like, maybe I'm not. I'm going to just interview the people that know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> you know, like just the accounts on there, like, I don't know, just random nonsense accounts that they're like calling anything that the other like larger accounts are calling and they're trying to act like that's their play. And like when it goes, then they're going to be like, told you see. And then like you go back, like, you know, that was a Zach Morris play, right? Like, why are you saying killing that man? Um, those are the type of foods I'm talking about. Like for whatever reason, they're convinced that people don't know who's really calling the play. Um, so it's those types of call outs, but yeah, a lot of people don't take their own calls. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Everyone, everyone thinks they're a furu the same way in 2015. Everyone thought they were a rapper. So, I mean, it's the same deal. Uh, the market will weed them all out. Hopefully I'm not one of them. No. Uh, but you but have, that your platform here is like, it's unique and it's not like, it's not like you see a large account, make a call and then you're just going to like try to, tweak that same call that's not that <laughs> yeah i i stopped calling shit after i realized uh, the market's not what i thought it was but dude like like i said you you have been a huge inspiration to me when it came to interviewing like whenever i first saw hughes and i was like god like this is so fucking cool and i don't even know how it started but then whenever i started interviewing people i was like damn i feel like i'm stealing gary's gig but no. i i I always thought like shit, what you were doing is so cool. And, uh, I've, I've, you know, I've always enjoyed it and your live streams wow. are, are great. It. You know what I just realized? Remember our first video, Gary, how far we've come as traders. So even though that was in what February or March, not in day. Yeah. It's just so said, crazy. That's only crazy. Been six, seven months. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's like you have the number one, um, stock market podcast right now. <laughs> um, you know massive following on that so it's very cool to see where you can go as a trader and it's about finding your own niche like what you really excel at and you enjoy and like dan said like for him it's being a content creator making videos like remember he started with the random like put on a suit and jump stupid ass um, <laughs> random stuff um, that's always his thing, you know, and like even you, you're going to have people try to come up and imitate you and try to run with that. So um, it's about finding your niche and then running with it. And that's the same way with trading. It's do you want to be. And a it feels and it feels good. I'm just happy that like all the content we create. I never feel slimy doing it. I never feel like we're putting out shit. Anyone wouldn't appreciate like if you're willing to listen to it it's like we're not asking for anything we're yeah. just trying to we're trying to say the only people we're fucking over is the people that want to get paid for the same information and that's all we're trying to do because it's like 
hell, the more people that's in this shit, the more volume we get and let's roll. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I won't mention the name and it, it's not the the name that you're going to think when I say this, but when I first started trading, uh, before I knew what I was doing, then um, I saw a YouTube ad for a day trading course and I wanted to buy it because I thought I needed that course to know how to trade. So then like I sign up like to the link to get more info and then they like send like this, I guess scout team out after me to like try to recruit me to buy it. And, you know, I told them that, you know, I was like a broke kid, didn't have much money. So I had to like save up. They immediately stopped replying to me. Didn't want to give me any more information or help me whatsoever. So you want to be careful who you listen to and know the motives as to why people are helping you. So like free podcasts like this, like you guys aren't charging anybody, anything to listen to it. Um, and there's a lot of wolves out there. There really are. Yeah. And yeah, we only ask it, for one thing. Five star ratings, bitch. <laughs> and Weeble referrals. Um, but yeah, Gary, thank you so much for coming on. If you have anything else to say, guys, make sure you check out his YouTube channel. He has tons of great, more information than you could possibly imagine. Q&A sessions, uh, notorious alerts on Twitter. Uh, anything, anything you have to offer as last words, please, we'd love to hear it. No, I just uh, thank you guys for having me on and giving me a chance to tell my story to the listeners you know it's just like any other trader i did not start out making money there is the trial period that you must go through but if this is truly what you want and you know the listeners that are listening to this i'm sure that it is just stick it out and a year of your life of going through small losses and learning is no time at all and there's so much information out there if you actually just look for the information and the why as just wanting a random ticker, then, you know, you're going to learn and eventually catch on. So um, thank you to everyone for that's made it this far in the podcast, to all of your listeners and to Dan and Hugh for having me on. All right. Thanks again, man. You, bro. And thank you to <laughs> Hugh as well for, for joining at this late of an hour at night. Thank you guys both. And uh, to all the listeners, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.